Hello and welcome to the Hugenhoff Podcast, episode 63. Good news, I have Lore on today, so I'm always excited about that. Lore, thank you for being on. Uh, thank you for having me. Yes. We're both super busy, so and we're kind of on different shifts, so sometimes it's hard to get both of us together. But I know it's definitely a better show with him on, so I'm excited about that. But before we jump into our main topic, I wanted to take a moment to remind everybody that if you want to check out my website, you can do so, and that's at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. And if you had any questions, comments, ideas for a show, anything like that, you can send me an email. You can find that email address on the website. Also, you can send it to hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. That's on the website, but you can have podcasts at gmail.com. Uh, let's see. I think that's it. Do want to remind everybody, I've been keeping it in the show notes, but Lore has written a few books. Lore, do you want to mention those real quick? Um, I'll just mention one. Uh, my latest is Walk On, and you can find that on Amazon.com. Just type in Stephen Oaks. And you'll find it there, or you can just go to my webpage, stephenoaks.com, and uh, there should be some links in there, at least for my first books. You can always follow uh, the author name on Amazon if you want to see anything else I've written. That poetry book, it's selling like hotcakes. Oh, wait, it isn't. Um, uh, but if you like poetry, <laughs> you can go to do that one. I, I, I think it's pertinent since we'll probably be uh, reading something poetic today. That's true. And I do want to remind everybody, you can also go to the show notes of this episode, which is just hugenhoff.org. Um, click on the podcast section. And then for this episode, there's plain text version of the show notes and a Google Doc version of the show notes. Both of those do have a link to Steve's book if you want to check it out. So with that said, today we are doing The Lay of Rig, which is an interesting story um so we're going to be bringing some stuff up i'm not going to say right now but there's some things that could be considered controversial that we're going to bring up uh i'm going to be reading from hollander's translation and steve's going to be reading from the sacred text translation so there'll be a little comparing between the different sources see if see if there's big changes uh now, Steve, do we want to talk about the big thing of who is Rig right off the bat, or do we want to wait till after the story? Um, I mean, let's let's talk about it right now because I've been okay. I, I I've thought about this for years because Heimdall is one of my favorite uh, gods to think about and discuss simply because he's not brought up too often, and then everyone has come to the conclusion that Rig is Heimdall, even though it, it's just in the notes that are before the story as it was written down saying that it is Heimdall but I don't see a lot of the characteristics I mean we do have a few things in uh, the lore elsewhere that might uh, point that it is Rig um, let's see here I had this uh, in the Vulsipa the Vulva asks uh, hearing from Heimdall's son, both high and low, as just a marker saying he has sons high and low. Uh, in Grimsel, uh, it says here, over men hold sway, 
it is said of Heimdall. And he is also called the Kensman of Men. But that's about it elsewhere. If we were to imply that those indicate that it is pointing to this story of, well, what we'll get into. But uh, really, it seems more, as we read the story, you'll see, more uh, Odin-esque. And even the name Rig is kind of a... They think it's an old Irish word that means king. Because it used to be re or rig as a term for king. Which, again, Heimdall not necessarily. And I've not heard anywhere else where they use a... He uses a different name. Odin does, constantly. Just all the time. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot of reasons to suspect this might be Odin instead of Heimdall. Again, I say this is controversial because I think most people in the Ozatru community generally attribute this story to Heimdall. And I'm not saying that's that's not the case, and those Valsapa lines you mentioned are good clues that, that maybe it is, but then again, maybe they're referring to something else, something we don't know, or just the idea that Heimdall is protecting humanity. By being the Watcher, humanity is just at risk as the rest of the gods. But just the nature of this story and what Rig is doing does seem to very much be an Odin-esque thing. So I don't know, and it certainly would not be the first time that Odin used a different name. That's a good point. Odin constantly goes by other names and rarely reveals himself as Odin. Sometimes he does, and usually we're told in the story or something along those lines. But he doesn't go by another name and then at the end be like, oh, I'm Odin, just to let you know. So I don't know. There's a lot of good reasons to think it could be Odin. So I, mean, I just I want to bring that up and, you know, other people think about them themselves. There's even ahead. a third possibility that it's just a completely different God, one that may have been forgotten of and not mentioned elsewhere. Like we don't hear much of Scotty. In, in in the Eddas and things like that. Yeah. Or yeah, even uh, Odor. Don't yeah. hear much about yeah. that. But like, but that's the thing. We don't know for sure. It would be weird and it would add more complexity if Rig was a completely different god. But also, Odin is just known to change his name. So if every time Odin changes his name and we're reading it in a story and he never announces himself as that Odin, or is that just a whole new god? So just added complexity may not be necessary because this is just what Odin does. Again, no note of Heimdall doing it anywhere else. But, eh. It's a good story. Right. <laughs> it is a good story. And but yeah, you're right. No note meaning um Heimdall has never been known to use different names in other places, so it would be out of character. Though I could see the counter argument that we don't have that many other stories of Heimdall besides this mm-hmm. one and a couple others. I don't know. It's a good question though. It's just a lot of this makes more sense to be Odin than Heimdall. Um I don't know. I do think it's a good question. So, did we have any more general things to say before we jump into the actual story itself? No, just things I'll probably point out as we go. 
Okay, that works. I will go ahead and take the first line. In in old time, say they, on earth paths green, there wended his way a wise god ancient. Rugged and mighty, Rig was his height. Name was Rig. Now I do have a note. Let me just see. And my note's pretty long, but I, I've kind of went through that already. I think in no other source does Heimdall bear this name. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, the note is basically saying what Steve just talked about. So um, if you have nothing else, we can go to two. Okay. Forward he went on the midmost way. He came to a dwelling, a door on its posts. It did he fare. On the floor was a fire. Two hoary ones by the earth, or by the earth, there sat. I and Edda in olden dress. And okay. I and Edda is great-grandfather and great-grandmother. Okay. Now, I've got a couple notes. Let me see if they're important. Now, the Kindle has changed how it does notes, which is great. The fo- The footnotes used to just jump you to, like, the footnote section of the book. Oh. And you have to f- somehow get back to where you are. Now it just pops up the footnote. Oh, that's nice. Because, oh, yeah, that was inconvenient before because yes. popping back was so hard sometimes. Yes. So I just want to give props to Amazon. That was a good choice. Let's see. That is Midgard. The supplies from... Nah. That's not important. And I'll jump to the hearth fire. Was... Okay, that line about the fire, I have a note that says, In old Germanic times, the hearth fire was built on the ground. The smoke escaping through the louver. Anyway, so that was a common thing. (laughs) Yes. And let's see if there's something about I and Edda. You already said that. Mm -hmm. Grandfather. No, this says. Mine says grandfather and grandmother. It should be great because the next ones (laughs) will be grandfather and grandmother and then father and mother. Yeah, so maybe I believe the- so, unless it changed to son and daughter. I don't think it does, though. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but basically, what's happening is Reg. Well, we're just going to call him Reg for now. So think some people think it's Heimdall. Could be the case it was Odin, but we're going to say Reg for now. So Reg is going to the house of these two people. Um, and stanza for three. Well knew Rig wisely to counsel, on middle seat he sate him, betwixt the twain of the tuft, toft benches him. So he sat between them. Right yes. on. <laughs> okay. On to four. A loaf of bread did Etta bring, heavy and thick and swollen with husks. Forth on the table she sat the fair, and broth for the meal in a bowl there was, uh, calf's flesh Boiled was the best of the dainties. Okay, so this <laughs> is just giving the connotation, I think, that it's not super fancy. Yeah, that last line says it's generally been rejected as added on later. So, yay. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm going to move to five. Well knew Rig, wisely to counsel, he rose up thence ready for sleep. On middle bedstead, his birth he made, betwixt the twain of the toft laid him. So he's sleeping between the two. Yes. 
Now it does, I do have a footnote that says, in oldest times, it was not uncommon in the North, as is still the case among primitive people for the host to offer his wife or daughter to the honored guest. Mm. And um, that's probably important. Uh, Now, I mean, where you stand in your own marriage or whatever is Mm -hmm. obviously a very, uh, what would you say, um, personal choice. Like in my particular marriage, I would not do that because that's not the kind of marriage I have. And there's O's involved and stuff like that. And it's certainly not the case that you're, what would you say, required by hospitality to let honored guests sleep with your wife or daughter. But the reason it is important to note that uh, stanza, shall we say, is you could make the argument that Rig was doing something unethical, like he was seducing the wife or daughter, or a wife in this case, or breaking marriage vows, or something along those lines, which would make him at least which would make him a seducer of men's wives and we remember seducers of men's wives that's one of the ways that you go to Nifel hell so it's obviously a really bad thing but if everyone was a willing participant and this was a tradition that these people believed in and chose to follow then nobody is doing anything unethical and no autonomy is being broken now i will admit that is a huge deal for me, so I may be belaboring the point when it's not necessary to do so, but I do personally think it's important that it's not a thing of autonomy being broken. It's a thing that's happening because it's necessary for the story, and I guess this was a tradition in olden times, so it's not even necessarily breaking cultural norms. Again, it's not something that I would personally do if I had an honored guest, because I don't believe in it personally. Like, it's not a thing I would do. But it's it's not, autonomy is not being broken, and I think that's important. Uh-huh. So, uh, just as a, a note here, though, look at the first line. Mm-hmm. Rig knew well wise words to speak. You know? Just saying, I mean, it, it comes up again and again. It's like yeah. he's using his words to show either himself as an honored guest or is he seducing the well, well, I think that probably he is showing himself as an honored guest. And I mean, he is a god, so I don't think he is undeserving of the title honored guest. Now, granted, he's not presenting himself as a god to the people, but he is he deserves the title honored guest and i would not take that to be seducing i take it to be presenting himself as an honored guest and taking advantage and not in the negative connotation way but taking advantage of a custom that exists okay we'll move on (laughs) okay I'll, i'll go to six thus was he there for three nights long then forward he went on the midmost way, and so nine months were soon passed by. And we all know what nine months means, right? <laughs> yes. This is one of the cases. Nine is, is always a magical number, especially associated with Odin. This is one of the cases where the other connotation of nine is more important. Namely, the length of a pregnancy, in case somebody out there missed that. <laughs> um, I don't think they do. 
Now, there is a note, which not important to the story, but interesting. It says guests generally remained three days. So, mm. okay. I didn't know that. That's a nice thing to know. And again, guests don't remain three days now because it doesn't take you six and a half months to travel somewhere. So, it's a little bit different. But that's a neat thing to know. I can tell you from experience of walking a bunch, <laughs> you do need some days to recover if you've been doing it constantly. So, yes, it makes yes. perfect sense. Yeah, back then, a lot of the how long a guest would stay and how celebrations worked in general, like Yule, where, you know, you travel down to your friends and family and you'd stay for, like, a super long time and just have these, like, ongoing feasts that last forever. It was because we didn't have automobiles back then. And uh, granted, sometimes you were on horseback or whatever, but sometimes you walked. And even on horse, it's a lot harder to travel. And it takes a lot longer than what we think of with cars these days. Absolutely. Yeah, you couldn't get somewhere in a day. Uh, so I don't think we need to say anything about that else. Moving on to seven, gave gave Etta birth to a boy child then. In clout she in in clout she swathed the swarthy skinned one. Thrall they called him, and cast on him water. Okay, one note for and clouchy important. Um and cast on him water, there's a note that says this is the old Germanic baptismal ceremony of name fastening, which had grown up probably independently of the Christian rite. So that's uh, his note. Um, and Swarthy, of Sarah, course, is yeah. dark, and his right. hair was dark, and Thrall right. means what? Um, basically, slave. basically slave class. Yeah, yeah. Um, and here I do want to say, I think we've mentioned this elsewhere, but I don't remember where. When they're saying swarthy skinned or dark skinned, I think the connotation is more been out like, in the sun and been out in the worker. sun. Yeah, a worker, dirty maybe. Um, there's not a weird racial component to that. I know there's probably somebody out there who would want to take it that way, but it has more to do, I think, with like being dirty and being out in the sun because back in the day. Um, and you do see this even even in the sagas, but obviously it's really big in medieval times as well. You have this idea that like tan people are tan because they spend all their time in the day in the sun and they're dirty peasants and they're lower than other people because they have to work outside. And the nobility would be like, they wouldn't be tan at all. They'd be extremely pale because they're rich and they never had to go outside. Obviously and very different than today. And dark hair, which um, I believe we've talked about before, maybe not on the show, but mm -hmm. uh, you would think the richer class, you know, has different uh, ways of keeping clean and they do it instead of just bathing. They did what to their hair that would lighten it up for a purpose. Do you remember? Oh, geez. I too vaguely remember talking about this, but I'm not going to risk getting it wrong. What was it? I believe they purposefully bleached their hair to keep the, uh, what was it, insects? Or, uh, shoot, Probably. I can't remember the word for it. Um, not gnats. 
Fleas? Fleas, there you go. Wow, uh, couldn't remember the word flea. Yeah, no, it's probably true. And in you know, in so doing it, they were blonde then, and it may not have been necessarily a natural condition for several people in that higher class. Okay, okay. And then I wonder if that has anything to do with later on when the people would powder their, well, they'd wear wigs, but they'd mm-hmm. powder their wigs. I don't know if that's connected I'm or not. I'm unsure. Okay, so that's that's another good thing, uh, yeah, to bring up. And and definitely the nobility were... Pa- <coughs> Excuse me. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> the nobility were extremely pale because they... <clears throat> they didn't have to work in the sun or leave the house very often. Okay. Uh, shall I move on then? Um. Yes. Okay. Uh, the skin was wrinkled and rough on his hands, knotted his knuckles, thick his fingers, and ugly his face, twisted his back, and big his heels. He's a big, brutish-looking fella, is I guess what they're saying. Yeah, pretty much. Um... And uh, there is a footnote that just mentions that description is a standard characteristic of the slave in the Old Norse tradition. So we already kind of went over that. Right. Uh, Let's see. Nine. He began to grow and gain in strength. Betimes took him to try his might. To bind bast ropes, burden to pack, to bear faggots home the whole day long. There's a note, uh, this line treasure. No, never mind. It's not important. Okay, so he gained, he, he got strong, he learned how to bind ropes, burden packs, carry firewood home all day long. So that's sort of who he is and who mm-hmm. his lot is. Yep. All right, so 10. One came to their home. Crooked her legs, stained were her feet, and sunburned her arms. Flat was her nose. Her name was Thur. Another drudge. Kind of I'm sorry? According to my footnote, Thur means drudge. Eh, which makes a sort of sense if, mm-hmm. you know, we have Thrall and Thur. Yeah, yeah. I have it as serving woman. Okay, okay. I think that's probably... Uh... Equally good uh, word for it, or description. Okay, so um, she came. I mean, I'm not going more in detail than that. I'll go on to 11. On middle seat, she sate her down. By her side did sit the son of the house. Whispered and laughed and lay together, thrall and thur, whole days through. So, um... Romance. They're obviously, yeah, <laughs> romance. They're a perfect pair for one another. All right, then 12. Children they had, they lived and were happy. Uh, Schoner and Chlor, forgive me my pronunciation, they were called, methinks, Krim and Kligi, Hesfir, Fjolner, Drom, Igraldi, Trot, and Ligialdi, Lut and Hesfir, the house they cared for, ground they dunged, dunged. Yeah, I guess so. And swine they guarded, goats they tended, and turf they dug. So yeah, so they're just 
Man, these are a lot of weird names here, for me at least. So we it's like Cattleman, The Course, The Shouter, The Horsefly, uh, Concubine Keeper, The Stinking, oh. The Log, The Fat, The Sluggard, and The Big-Legged, The Bent and the Gray. Okay. There was a quick note um, that said something about they were not sure... About those names, hold on. Um, I'll get that. Some of the names in this list, as well as in the followings, are doubtful. Mm-hmm. The translator has not followed the order of the original in this or in the following list of names. Um, I don't think that's overly important, but you kind of get the the um, common theme and attitude in all of those names. Yes, no, and I not think the most they're, complimentary. They're, they're trying to pair them as well in kind of a poetic way. So, right. If you're if you're actually paying attention to the breaks, but that's just me looking at it. Yeah, <laughs> and I I wonder and think that the pairings would sound a little more poetic in the original language as opposed yes. to a translation, especially but, through my pronunciation as well. <laughs> No, these are not easier to say. <clears throat> uh, let's see. 13, their daughters were Drudge and Daggletail, Slattern Serving Maid and Cinder Wench, Stout Leg Shorty, Stumpy and Dumpy. Oh, good. I like those two. Spindle Shanks Eek and Sputterer, Thencer Sprung the Breed of Thralls. Uh, see, mine has it in the original, uh, well, original, uh, Norse names instead of just the translations off the bat. Yeah, I'll take the translations. Well, fine. But, like, come on, the first one's Drumba and Kumba. Come on, it rhymes. Oh, and the I next know, one's. They, they all kind of rhyme except maybe the middle ones. Eh, I'm not going to say them. Anyway, those are just their names. Moving on to 14, then. Right. Forward went Rig. His head was straight. To a hall he came, and a door there hung. In did he fare? On the floor was a fire. Afi and Ama owned the house. And Afi and Ama, of course, in mine, say grandfather and grandmother. And this is weird, because in mine they don't even mention the name. Really? Which is weird, because this is Hollander. Yeah. Is it in a note? Did you not grab the Hollander one? I mean, I can go up and uh, get my book, but it's way across the room. Oh, uh, see, this is the problem. Uh, no, this is definitely the Hollander version. Okay. It's just that Hollander is normally really true to the text and very exacting. Maybe I missed it somewhere when I was just glancing through. Um, so before we go into this one, I just wanted to mention that the last one, this is sort of what this story is about, the creation of the different races of man. Not races, classes. Classes, I should say classes. Um, yeah, it's not using, I was not using that word correctly. Um, (laughs) I'll call you out, man. No, no, that's good, because... 
I had more the idea of, well, you know, in D&D, certain races have certain strengths and weaknesses. That's what I was going for, because mm-hmm. um, I'm a nerd. But anyway, this is the different classes of mankind. So we've gone through the Thrall being the first class, and now we're moving on. Um, just wanted to point that out, and I'm going to go into depth in this more when we're finished with everything, but sort of think about how this goes along with Plato's Myth of the Metals, and I'll explain that more in depth when we get to the end. I just want to mention that in case anyone's familiar with that story, they can start seeing the similarities between these two. And just because I'm a nerd too, I'm going to recommend a book by Harry Harrison. Actually, it's three books. It's a trilogy. It's called One King's Way, or at least the <clears> first <throat> book is. And it discusses a uh, a young boy who makes his way through the different classes. Hmm. So I, I thought it was interesting. And in that story, Rig is a different god. It's not Odin, and it's not Heimdall. It's just on himself. So that's maybe another reason why I think of that, too. I, I like the books. They're good. They may not be great, but it's at least an interesting read. I have to keep those in mind. Anywho, uh, you're on 15. 15, a weaver's. A weaver's beam out of the woods he shaped. His beard was brushed and banged his hair. In curdle tight fitting were planks on the floor. Okay, so just his description. Okay, so I'll move on to 16. The woman sat and the distaff wielded. At the weaving with arms outstretched she worked. On her head was a band, on her breast a smock. On her shoulder a kerchief with clasp there was. Her description. Yes. And I got a couple notes. Oh, no, no, do not. That. Okay, what are we on? 17. Okay. Wait for one second. Well knew Rig, wisely to counsel, on middle seat he sate him, betwixt the twain of the soft benches him. And... Then it jumps straight to 18? Yep. Okay. Then took a ma. I know. Uh, Wine has, then took a ma. There's a break. Yeah, it's like a missing line. The vessel's full, with fair she set, half... Half's flesh boiled was the best of the dainties. So, uh, like a a remark of again what the uh, food was on the original one, even though that one said it was not necessarily there in the first place. Mm-hmm. But this one, I don't think has that note. So maybe the original translator or a uh, uh, penner of this particular one uh, had gone back and put that up there. Then, okay. And mine does not have any note that one wasn't there or not. And in the first one, mine was boiled meat i think boiled like i think it was just regular cow meat and this is boiled calf meat <laughs> which okay would be better so this is showing that this is a, a step up uh 19 well knew rig wisely to counsel he rose up thence ready for sleep on middle bedstead his birth he made betwixt the twain of the toft laid him all right so, same thing so that again. happened last time yep. yeah and thus was he there for three nights long. Then forward he went on the midmost way, and nine months were soon passed by. So again, we're back to that. And what do we have, sir? 
Gave a mop birth to a boy child then. Carl, they called him, clothed him in linen, Rudy his ewe, and rapid his eyes. Rapid his eyes. That's so interesting. Yeah. I have flashing. It's the same thing. Okay. There's a note that says, Carl, free man of the common people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I also have it as yeoman, which is a more common term for the uh, medieval era, if you're into that sort of thing. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right, so 22. He began to grow and gain in strength. Oxen he ruled and plows made ready. House he built and barns he fashioned. Carts he made and the plow he managed. So he's a farmer? Farmer, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, this class is sort of that, like, farmer, laborer class. Not, not slaves, so slightly better off and slightly harder work but like yes hmm uh, i'm i'm reading this note down here and it, it's not the note itself it's just kind of my mind working here cart carl carter is the original celtic influence word for cart carter carl i don't know that was interesting hmm. okay um 23 a bride they brought him with with bunch of keys dangling, and goatskin girdle gave her to Carl. Snewer was she height and state under veil. A house they reared them and rings bestowed. Their linens they sprayed and the larder stocked. Um, I have it as notes. daughter-in-law for that name. Snore. Yes, <clears throat> that's what my note says. And. Um, There is a thing here that mentions probably interpolated. The dealing out of rings is typical of the nobility, not the common people. Mm. The exchange of rings, as in the Christian marriage ceremony, which has been suggested, seems utterly foreign to the passage. So that's a note that I'll mention. These are definitely, this is supposed to be the race of the common people, though. And I think everything else here is implying that. Yeah, and... and at least they mentioned the keys. We didn't get keys from the last couple. <laughs> right. Well, and I think the reason would probably be that keys were a sign of, like... Because it was the woman's role to, like... Um, I mean, culturally, it was the woman's role to be in charge of the house and the finances and, and stuff like that. Which is why they would have keys. But if you were a slave, you actually not have any possessions, so you wouldn't have anything to be in charge of. So if you don't mind, I'm going to read 24 and 25 real quick because it's just names again. Okay, sure. Um, Unless you want to do it in your way, which will have the translation of the names in the stanza instead of the old Norse. (laughs) No, we can can do that. Okay. All right. So quickly. Sons they had. They lived and were happy. Hal and Dring, Holf, Thegun, and Smith. Breath and Bondi. Brungskegi. (laughs) Bui and Bodhi. Bregskeg and Seg, daughters they had, and their names here, Snot, Broth, Svani, Svari, Spraki, Fjorth, Bund, and Vith, Dima, Ristil, and thence has risen the yeoman's race. <laughs> okay. And some of the words, just to give you an idea, is husbandman, farmer, crofter, um, and some of the women's are wife, bride, 
Lady Maiden. So again, I think this is showing that it's the what um, common people. <clears throat> excuse me, the common people or the middle for that society anyway, the middle class people. They're not slaves, but they're not nobility. Um. So we're on twenty six. Yes. At at his staff, Riggs strode steadfastly on. A hall he saw then was southward, the door raised on high with a ring in the doorpost. Do you have a note? South is direct south is the direction of good omen, the old mm. Icelandic door raised up and down on hinges. It is raised in the house of the noble to indicate his hospitality. The ring served as a knocker, so Okay. Nice house. So within two gazed in each other's eyes. Father and mother, I wonder what those mean, and yeah. played with their fingers. There sat the house lord, wound strings for the bow, shafts be fashioned, and bows be shaped. So they're making weapons. Yes. Mother and father. Now, we're ready for what, 28? Yes. Might be off. Oh, noes. Because <laughs> this sounds similar to what. The last half of yours was, so I'll read it and we'll see if we're off or not. On the bench he sat, a bowstring twining, bent the elmwood and arrows shafted, state the lady, looked at her arms, stroked the linen, straightened her sleeves. Um, yeah, and both. Okay. It's it's, it's like a mix of middle between because it goes on in 28 for me. Uh, gay was her cap on her breast were class broad was her train of blue was her gown her brows were bright her breasts was shining white her neck then new fallen snow all right that's my 29 so i think we're back online when we get to 30 um i wonder what this note is the rhyme is not it. so anyway this is again describing uh well-off people or rich people uh now the the weapon thing is something that I think in the Norse tradition it was the nobility that did the fighting and in a lot of other traditions there was a fighting class so that's a little bit of a difference but it was quite common for it to be the upper class that did the fighting instead of like like today you think of people who actually do the fighting the actual soldiers are not the upper class people they're like middle class at the best um but that's not how things were commonly done back then so just, well if you're uh, a poor person you wouldn't be able to afford a weapon anyway or well, have yeah. the time to fashion it because all your time was at farming or just surviving yes yeah exactly and there wasn't really the idea of army. I mean, there were armies there, yes, but they weren't the type of armies that we have today where somebody, you would just come in and be like, hey, I want to fight. And they're like, okay, here's a weapon, here's clothes, here's a place to stay, here's everything you need to survive. Um, yeah, it wasn't quite like that. I will go on, are we on 30? See, I'm ready for 29 because I just got done describing her. So... In mine, the next is, you know, uh, rig setting <laughs> between them again. Okay, that's my 30. So okay, so we're, we're off. I guess we are going to be off. Well, that's a bummer. Okay, well, I'll read my 30, your 29, I guess. Okay. 
Well knew Rig wisely to counsel on middle seat he sate him down, betwixt the train the twain of the toft he benched him. Okay, so this is what we've said many All times right. before. So this is this is my thirty and your thirty one, I assume. Mm-hmm. Uh then mother or then mother brought a broidered cloth of linen bright, and the bra and the board she covered, and then she took the loaves so thin and laid them white from the wheat on the cloth. Okay, so again, um, the food now is much better. Again, right. They're rich. They're rich in this case. So going on to 32 or 31, a full trencher on the table she put, silver plated, and set forth then flitches of bacon and staked fowl also. There was wine in a crock, where the cups gold plated, they drank and chatted till the day was ended. Again, so again, so, higher class food. Yes, higher class food and more leisure, where they can just sit around and talk for half the day. You know, just sit around drinking and talking the whole day. So, yeah, definitely higher class. So, my 32, your 33. Rig knew well, wise words to speak. Soon did he rise, made ready to sleep. Oh, in the bed himself did he lay, and on either side the others were. Okay, so same thing as as has been the case with the other two. Going on to 34, or year 33, I think. And there stayed mm-hmm. he three days together, then walked unwearied in middle ways. Full nine months went meanwhile by. And I'll let you continue. Hey. Right, 34 for me, 35 for Hollander. A son had mother, in silk they wrapped him. With water they sprinkled him. Jarl he was, blonde was his hair, and bright his cheeks. Grim as snakes were his glowing eyes. Grim as snakes, okay. That's, I like that. I might have to use that. (laughs) Yeah, I like that. Um, In Hollander it says, his eyes... Awful, like an adder's blazed, and uh, there's a note adder is a snake. It is, yes, and there's a note. Flashing eyes were regarded as a sure token of noble birth, and Tacitus Tac- writes about it. Okay, so I'll move on to my thirty-six, like year thirty-five. Up, up grew Earl within the hall. Gan bucklers wheeled and the bowstring fastened. Gan the elmwood bend and arrow shaft. Gan hurl the spear and speed the lance. Gan hunt with hounds and horses ride. Gan brandish swords and swim in the sea. So, so a lot swim of and has is, weapons and yes. animals, uh, not for just field work, but for uh, pleasure yeah. and battle. Yes, a big focus on battle in this one and training with weapons and stuff like that, I think. Uh, will you continue? But now Rig comes back. My 36 or 37, straight from the grove came striding Rig. Rig came striding and runes he taught him. By his name he called him, as son he claimed him, and bade him hold his heritage wide, his heritage wide, the ancient homes. That's an interesting... Statement? What does yeah. that mean? Uh, no, it's just teaching magic. Again, it's saying here it fits Odin more than Heimdall. 
Yeah, that's another thing that Odin is very much known as like the god of the nobility and kings. And this is the only one that he comes back for. The others, he didn't come back later and teach them anything. And there's also sort of the idea that magic or the runes is also something that's more for the upper class and not as much for the lower classes, if it be that they have different types of magic and less Odinistic magic. It could definitely be something like that. But I think it is important to note that it's only this last one that um, this that rig comes back and teaches these different things to. But yeah, and this... it's also saying here, Earl is now being called Rig by Rig, as he claimed him as his son. Okay. Because by his name called yeah. him. Okay. It's interesting. This little interaction, especially with the teaching of runes, really, again, makes you think of Odin more than it does anybody else. So, who don't know? <clears throat> Excuse me. I will go on to 38. He dauntless rode through darkling woods over frosty fells to a faraway hall. Shields he shattered and shafts he hurled, brandished his sword and swiftly rode. He wakened wars and warriors slew. With wound red weapons he won him land. Me, you've read 37 and 38, so I think we're back together again for 39. Okay, all right, good. So basically he's going out and fighting across the land. Yes, and again, that's very much a thing that Odin encourages people to do. More than well, not only that, he, he raised an army. He wars, yeah. he raised. So he's, he's brought people together to battle. Right. So again, will... Odin. <laughs> I know, I know. It just seems like his character is so much more Odin than Heimdall. So but I think again, it's a worthwhile question. These are, these are not archetypes as far as I've been able to tell with all the gods. Yeah, they that's have true. Arch- archetypical kind of things about them, but many of them have similar traits. So it's still possible to be Heimdall as well. It, that's that's a good point and good to bring that up. So yeah, keep that in mind. So thirty nine, eighteen halls ere long did he hold. Wealth did he get and gave to all stones and jewels and slim flasks. <laughs> slim flaked steeds flanked flank steeds i'm sorry mm. rings he offered and arm rings shared ooh arm rings shared now i do mm. have a note which i think mm-hmm. we all know this but i'm going to read it lavish lavish generosity was one of the princely virtues so that is definitely a thing that the upper class would do and you do see this in the sagas a lot where people will just be very generous giving people that they don't even know that well, just like arm rings of solid gold. So again, pointing out how princely and noble this last class of people is. Mm-hmm. 40. His heralds drove on dew-wet paths and came to the hall where Hesser dwelt. A daughter had he, dainty-fingered, fi- fair-haired and wise, was she hight Erna. And Erna... The efficient? Uh, the That's, capable, I have. I like the capable better. <laughs> the efficient's fine. I mean, efficiency is a, f- a fantastic thing to have, but it to is. be capable is even better. 
Yeah, I feel like capable is a better word for that. So again, this is how he gets his wife, just like with the other stories. Yeah. So I will let you go. Okay. <laughs> so 41, her hand they sought and home they brought her, wedded to Jarl, the veil she wore. Together they dwelt, their joy was great, children they had and happy they lived. So, yeah, they got together. He's calling himself Jarl in this story right now, so maybe Rig is the only one that calls him Rig. Yeah, it seems that way. Uh, let's see... 42? Uh, well, this first name's not very original. Boy yeah. was the oldest. Really. Boy was the oldest, Barn the second, then Issue and Child... Heir, youth, and squire, offspring and lad, they sports did learn, sun and science, swimming and tables. Conned one was called, was Khan the youngest. Yeah, at least they didn't change Khan, because Burr was the oldest, and Barn the next, and Joth and Hothi, Afri, Maul, uh, Nith, yeah. and Sven. Yeah, these are definitely harder to say. I do want to read this note about tables the mm. something they learned this was a board game a kind of chess com- compare the german trotzsabon is a royal accomplishment like those mentioned in stanza 38 um but it was a strategic board game which i have seen a set of uh uh fancy pieces carved and i love the board and i love the pieces that i found like my favorite is the berserk he's just chewing on his sword or on his sword on his shield okay and i don't know if this is referring to the game king's board but i think it is i was gonna say it's very possible it is and um i've actually played that game before Oh, really yes um my brother actually because he's more artistic than myself. But he actually carved a board or whatever, and we played quite a few rounds. See, that's better than me. I just painted the Berserker on a skateboard once. (laughs) Yeah, and obviously his were not Berserkers. They were just generic pieces or whatever. You can buy it. You can find it. Okay. Um, It's not a bad game. It's... uh, What's the term for it? It's... Not like not as synchronous, compli- not as complicated as chess or uh oh shoot, what's the Japanese one? Go, man, that that's so hard. Yeah, no, I I like go a lot, but it is complicated. Um, it's it's weird because you will play either as the defending army in hmm. essence or the invading army and so you're not playing the same roles like in chess you start with the exact same pieces right and then you just take turns going and whoever takes the king wins and this game you don't one person their goal is to defend and the other person's goal is to conquer um so it's yeah you don't you have different goals at the beginning Actually, of the game. That sounds more interesting than chess. I like it. It is. It's interesting that you have different like strategies that you're going with and different end goals. And it is a pretty good game. And like I don't think it's quite as complicated as chess, 
Though maybe if I was playing an expert player, I don't know. I don't think it's as complicated as chess, and it's definitely not as complicated as Go. But it's more complicated than checkers, so okay. it's not an easy game. And it's not like just some dummy can play it. I mean, it, it's a good game. It's a well-thought-out game. But yeah, it's, it's not to the level of Go, definitely, and probably not to the level of chess, but better than okay. dumb checkers. All right. Uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to read 43 and 44, because 43 yep. is really short. Okay. Uh, Soon grew up the sons of Jarl, beasts they tamed and bucklers rounded, shafts they fashioned and spears they shook. So, of course, here we are, more war stuff. The mm-hmm. 44, but Khan, the youngest, learned runes to use, runes everlasting, the runes of life. Soon could he well the warrior's shield, dull the sword blades, and still the seas. Okay. So it's interesting, just the youngest seems to be the one who's focusing on the runes. I'm reading some stuff here. Conger. Con Unger. It's not necessarily Con the Younger or the Youngest. Uh, the Con part is actually not far out, but the second syllable of Kunger has nothing to do with Younger. Uh, it, they're saying it means runes or something like that? A long hmm. list of such magic charms, darlings. Huh. Okay. So, you know, if you want more of these kind of rune talks, it says here, go to the have all Yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> You know, I want... Mm-hmm, that'd be interesting. You know the end of the Havamal, where it has that person that Odin was describing all of the different charms and what they do? Oh, okay. Now, it would be interesting, and another piece of evidence that maybe this was Odin, if this was that person who was alluded to, but never really named in those conversations. Okay. So, and I don't know if it is, but I'd just say it would be interesting. I also think it is significant that, you know, the first, oh, what's his name? The very, the the child that was born that Reg came back and taught, Earl or Jarl? Jarl. It's Earl in this translation, but, so Jarl learned runes, but then only the youngest of his sons learned the runes. So I wonder if that is getting at the idea that even among the upper class, there's not really... It's not a thing where everybody knows the runes. So it's not even just the upper class know the runes. It's a subset of the upper class that know the runes, kind of making it a very exclusive club to be part of. But anyway, um, 45... Foul speech he knew, and quenched fires, could soothe sorrows, and the sick mind heal, in his arms the strength of eight men had. Note. Nope. I have the might and strength of twice four men, which of course is eight. Okay, yeah, that's, that still means the same thing. Okay, so again, going on about how this guy knows the speech of birds, and, and can heal six men's mind, so... Again, I mean, just a really good... Knowing what birds stuff. say, you know, yeah. could be convenient if they could give you information, but if you're actually listening in on what they're actually saying, 
it probably pretty boring and annoying yeah. after a while. <laughs> yeah, well, it could be. Unless they happen to be talking about you. Sure. Um, there's been a couple stories where knowing the speech of birds ended up being quite useful. I think the story with Fafnir the dragon is mm-hmm. one where he knows the speech of birds, so comes in handy sometimes. Okay, so 46. With Rig Jarl, soon the runes he shared. More crafty he was, and greater his wisdom. The right he sought, and soon he won it. Rig to be called, and runes to know. Okay, so So he took the name Rig. Yeah. Which seems to be a title instead of just a name. Right. Like I said earlier, Rig could be uh, thought of as king. Yeah. And I think that it makes a lot of sense if this is Odin and he goes by Rig to begin with, but then he comes back and he teaches this person and sort of passes the title on to him. It could be a story about that. Not saying like he's new Odin, but just passing the title of Rig on to this student. (laughs) I still think it makes a lot of sense for it to be Odin, but... I don't know. So we are ready. That dead horse. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Okay. Yeah, I'll stop. Uh, 47. 47. Rode Khan the Young through corpse and woods. Birds he snarred used bow and arrow. That's actually where it ends. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, my 47 continues on to say, There spake a crow on a bough that sat. Why lurest thou, Con, the birds to come? Right. Yeah, I think we're going to be... Off a little bit again. Off again, because it seems to be ending it like halfway. Because I only have two more stanzas. Okay, because mine goes a little farther, I think. It said, Then quoth a crow, croaking on branch why snarest thou bird skyen of kings rather shouldst thou ride swift horses brandish swords and slay foemen um hmm. so i don't know we seem to just be a little bit off we are completely point, off here now i will point out again that he's now talking to a crow which though not identical is similar to a raven at the yes. very least it's a bird that eats the carrion of battle and i just it seems like there's, again, more allusions to Odin. Because his animals are those that eat the dead. Exactly, right. I I guess I'll have you read your 49. Uh, the halls of Dan and Dapper, or Damp, are noble, greater their wealth than thou bast gain. Good are they at guiding the keel, trying of weapons and giving of wounds. 49. Okay. Now, I do have a note on those na- names. It says, in all probability, these are eponyms, kings of Denmark. Mm-hmm. Because this could have been, I think I read here somewhere that this could have been like a, uh, history is the wrong word, but like a story that's that's trying to tie back to a particular king or family who wants to be like, have a, a mythological beginning because a lot of kings would 
claim heritage from one god or the other. They'd say they're a descendant from Odin was a common one or Thor. So that could be in there. Um, I want to read my last footnote because it's long. It says the the poem ends here abruptly. From the whole tenor of the poem, we cannot doubt that Khan follows the advice of the birds, as does Sigurth and Fafnismil, so that's the other one I was talking about, and wins the lands of Dan and Damp, according to the synoptic account of the lost golden saga given by the learned Icelander Ergrim Johnson. King Rig married Dana, the daughter of Damper and Damstead, and their son Dan was the mythical king who united Denmark under one rule. Which so, is the same note that I have. <laughs> okay, so this is saying that um, this whole story is sort of an origin story for a particular king. Uh, and that's, I guess, why it's focusing on, on just... The one child, because he's going to go on to become this semi-mythical king. But you still have the idea of creating the three um, classes of man throughout the story, and that Rig was responsible for that. Well, it also mythologizes the uh, ruling class. And, you yes. know, it almost says, this is your place as a thrall, this is your place as a carl, and this is your place as a jarl. So that's where you belong, which, again, I have slight issue with that because you can rise through the ranks, like I said, with those books by Harry Harrison. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's an interesting uh, look at the time that the story was being told and what they were telling their people, or at least what the people were telling each other. Yeah, and this is... I wanted to bring up the myth of the metals a little bit, which was a little different. They had bronze, silver, and gold, and their bronze class. Now, how did it work? Because I was thinking their bronze class, there was a slave class, which they just were like, they're not even people, so they didn't count them. And I think their bronze class was like the the laborer, laborers, but also the merchants and, and stuff like that. And the silver class was the warriors who protected people. And then the gold class was the... Philo- and obviously, uh, Plato is going to be a little, what would you say, um, biased here. But yeah. they were the philosopher kings. Um, so it was, again, this idea that there are these three classes and you fit in your class... And his idea was to say, like, hey, are you a poor person? Are you just a laborer who doesn't, who doesn't, who will never amount to anything more? Don't feel bad about that. That is your lot in life, and that's just where you're supposed to be, and it's fine, and that's just the way the world is. And then also, you know that whole famous Socrates quote that was like, know thyself? And most people misinterpret that to, like, know who you are deep down or something like that it it a more correct translation is know your place because it's uttered under the temple of delphi and the whole point of that quote is know your place if you're a slave know that you're supposed to be a slave don't try to raise out of those ranks because you're not supposed to raise out of these ranks you are born into what you should be for the rest of time and you should never change 
So with all of that said, it was, anyway, many scholars think, and I agree, that the myth was just that, a myth. It was a myth of the metals, not an actual reality, where it was created to be a myth to keep the people, especially in the lower classes, happy, so they wouldn't like, get upset and revolt. But it was also supposed to be known that the people, the people in the upper class were not there because of birth. They were there because of ability. So a person in the lower class could actually move all the way up to the upper class, but they couldn't do it obviously or with anyone's knowledge because we have to create a myth to keep people in line. But the people on the top, so the philosophers in Plato's example, or the nobility in this example, need to know that it is a myth and nothing more. But the people on the lower levels need need to think that it's actually something true and more than just a myth. So it's kind of like a control mechanism where the people on top are supposed to know it's just a control mechanism, but the people on bottom are supposed to think it's something mythical. And now, just because I'm me, I've read a book by Piers Anthony with the Myth, mm-hmm. of, myth of the Rings as a... Uh, as, uh, the focal point, or actually the background of the story, and I'm trying to remember what it's called, but I can't. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I I wonder with stories like this because I I believe obviously that our birth, our parents, parents, and our heritage is very important. And of course, shouldn't be forgotten, but I also don't believe we are born to be one thing or the other. I don't think I'm born to be a laborer, and another person is born to be in charge. And honestly, it didn't work very well if you look at, like, most of the royal families. Um, I mean, all of them, you just, you know, sometimes you get a crazy person in there... And it doesn't work, because I don't think we're born into whatever we're supposed to be. But I can also see... So so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is I don't believe we are born into certain roles. I think that we can change them, and our fate is not set in stone in that way. Um, But I can also see the use of having a story that says... There are different classes, and there need to be different classes, because that's the way the world works. And it's not your fault if you're in a lower class, that's just sort of your lot, where you can see the the allure of a myth that says, hey, this is just the way the world is, don't worry, don't feel bad about it, That's this is just how things work. Um, as a way to comfort the people who are in the not-so-good classes, let's say. I can see the use of that, and I also think that even when the myth was made, there may have been this idea that said, hey, if it's someone who doesn't have any ambition, that's going to be enough. They're not going to think they're a bad person. They'll be happy enough, because all of these classes, remember, were happy in the story, and they had kids and everything else. So who made this myth could say, look, anybody who has so little ambition, this is your lot in life is enough of a reason wouldn't argue it, and they'd live a happy life. But anybody who had ambition to be greater 
would look at the story and say, I don't buy that. I'm going to take my destiny into my own hands. And then they would still be able to become a greater thing than they were currently. So the story's not going to hurt those people because they're going to have the ambition regardless. But the lower people, it's not going to hurt them because they don't have the ambition anyway, but now they don't feel bad about themselves. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if that's what this is doing, and I've also heard the idea that it's like a spiritual succession or whatever, especially with the parents being not like, like their names weren't like Bob and Sue or the Saxons or something like that. They were they were names of concepts of like great grandfather and then grandfather and then father. Um, so the idea is, since they're referring to concepts instead of people, it would, for some reason, be like a spiritual thing. So you could be born into any of these classes, but there's some amount. You could be born to parents of one class, though you belong to another class. Um, I guess... I mean, this argument didn't make as much sense to me, so it's harder for me to explain. But mm. you could have, like, the simplest of people would be the thralls, the great-grandfathers, and then the more advanced would be the next class and the most advanced, the last class. But it's not so much like an actual genetic thing, like I'm born to these parents, but it's like, where do you... Where do you set as a person? Like, are you smart enough to be, or determined enough to be a king? That's how it works. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I uh, don't have much else to add to that. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's hard because... Like, I'm sort of okay with this myth-existing... So that people who are maybe not doing well for themselves and they don't have the motivation to improve themselves, it's kind of a coping mechanism for them. It seems mm -hmm. nice that that would be available. So I kind of like it for that. But then on the other hand, I really don't like the idea that what the myth is actually saying, certain people are born to do certain things. A thrall should not strive to be greater. A merchant should not strive to be greater. And the nobility should be should feel entitled to be nobility and rule over others because that's just the lot that the gods gave them. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. really believe that. So yeah, it's, it's kind of hard to make sense of this story. And I guess the two ways that I would make sense of it is either to say, well, this is a useful story, like the myth of the metals, to pacify the lower classes when the more ambitious people understand that there's no truth to it, or possibly to say that some people are not based on your parents or anything, but some people are simply more motivated and less motivated, and those characteristics the characteristics of those classes will determine your place in life. Because that's true, the characteristics of those classes will determine your place in life and make it better or worse. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm, I've checked out a little bit. I was trying to find the name of this book, and I just can't. Okay, well, uh, Maybe I'm remembering it wrong. 
Well, yeah, if you do remember the name of the book, send it to me, and I'll I'll try to put it in the show notes in case anybody is looking for it. Otherwise, listeners can just Google. That's what I tried to do, and apparently I can't find it. Maybe it wasn't Piers Anthony. I read a lot. That's true. I, I remember this being back in the time when all I was reading was Piers Anthony, which, hey, it's where I started, so come on. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, yeah, I'm not familiar with it, so I don't know. Um, yeah, But yeah, I, I'll still recommend the one I do remember, One King's Way by Harry Harrison. Pretty good series. Uh, an interesting take on the Norse mythology and the occupation of Britain by uh, Nordic people, I would say. I don't know if they were the Danes or not at that point. But uh, yeah, it's alternate history from a perspective of occupied Britain. Oh, I might have to check that out one of these days. Um, yeah, I might have to. still have to get through Ericsson first, though. <laughs> I've got like eight books left, so <laughs> we'll see when I get done with that. Um, I don't think I have any final thoughts, except to say that I still think there is a lot of reason to believe that this is Odin instead of Rig, because these like social orders that he creates or creating this myth of a social order, I think does very much sound like an Odin thing to do. And I also think that it's not unreasonable to believe that he created the myth without thinking that there is actually truth behind it, because I can see the usefulness of this myth of the three different classes, even if it's not actually true, I can see how it would be useful. Um, my final thoughts would just be, if this is a true myth, as in a, a story that was told among the people, it's an interesting one to have put it upon Heimdall in the end. Again, I'll agree. Sounds more like Odin. But the takeaway to me is just this is what we were telling ourselves at a certain point in our histories. So to look back at that, just like we do with all the other uh, uh, parts of the Eddas or any story we read from long ago, this tells you more about the people then and there. And to me, that's important. And that's my final word on that. All right. I think that's good. Um, I know I've kept you longer here than I wanted to, Steve. I'm sorry about that. I didn't that's see. okay. <laughs> didn't see how late it was. Um, but yeah, yeah. I do want to thank everybody for listening. So I don't know exactly how long this episode is going to be, but it might be longer than than normal. So what you can do is listen to half the episode and then listen to the other half of the episode later, and it's like it's a twice-monthly podcast. Or, you know, you'd have to put that at the beginning because it's too late now because you've already listened to it all. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not going to go back and change it, so sorry. So when you listen to it the second time, as most people listen to this podcast at least twice... Sure, that's what we get from yeah, all the feedback. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I do want to thank everybody for listening because I guess this 
one did go longer than I expected. So thank you everyone for listening. If you want to check out my website, please do so at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. Feel free to email me, and that is at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Do check out Steve's book. You can find it in the show notes, and I think that's it unless you had something else. Uh, no. Have a good time, everybody. All right. Thanks for listening. Fra hail. Fra hail.